1: I'm J.B. Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gigillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig with details.
2: Episode 9, Overcoming Your Financial Upbringing with Joel Larsgaard.
0: Welcome to the Frugal Friends Podcast, where you'll learn to save money, money, embrace simplicity, and live a richer life. life.
3: Here are your hosts, Jen and Jill.
2: Hey, y'all. What's up? I'm Jen and I'm Jill. And we are your Frugal Friends. We're here to help you save money, spend better. And live a more productive, frugal life, and we're trying something that we have never tried on the podcast today. ooh, new things, new things, new things because that's what frugality is all about. We have a guest on, and what? yeah, and we're super excited about him, um because he loves to save money as much as we do, and I mean, we didn't really think that was possible. <laughs> <laughs> It's out there. I, it's out there, and he might even love saving money a little more than us. Whoa, 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 whoa. So, but first, we got to we got to thank our sponsors <laughs> <laughs> as always. all of our sponsors all of our sponsors. today's episode is brought to you by Aldi Produce. Mm. Do you need motivation to eat more veggies? Aldi produce, because when you buy it, you only have 24 hours to eat it. So you need to cook it tonight. (laughs) Aldi produce.
4: I love that sponsor. I'm so glad we got sponsored by Aldi produce.
2: Um, So grateful. Blessed.
4: (laughs) Also blessed to be sponsored by podcast crafter, You can find them at podcastcrafter.com. They are as legit as all the produce and they can help you with all your podcasting needs, whether you need to know correct microphone placement up against your mouth or you need some editing and mixing, or maybe even some special individualized music. Uh, If you are wanting to start a podcast and you're not sure where to start or you're in the middle and you're realizing you need help head on over to podcastcrafter.com. They are the ones who do our podcasts and they make us sound so
2: smooth. So sweet. So velvet. All right, guys. Today on Frugal Friends podcast, we have Joel Larsgaard from Poor Not Poor podcast. He and his friend Matt talk about personal finance while drinking craft beer, which is similar to Frugal Friends because we drink while we record, but we know nothing about what we're drinking. Uh, And you do, Joel. So in addition to his own savvy about saving money and drinking beer, he's a radio and web producer for money-saving guru, Clark Howard. So he has a lot of tips for saving money to share with us. Welcome on the
3: podcast, Joel. Thanks for having me. I'm so glad to be here.
2: Yeah. Welcome.
4: Welcome. I am wondering, were you always a natural saver or is it a skill you learned? Like, how did you jump into this whole frugality thing?
3: That's a really good question. So, you know, it it really started back in childhood and um, it's kind of personal, uh, but I'm happy to share it. My parents uh, were not very good with money. They're Mm -hmm. like the greatest people in the world and I want to be like them in so many ways, but they were not. Good with their money. And so it led to a lot of tense moments, arguments. And then eventually they filed for bankruptcy when I was like 13 years old. And so just all of the things encompassing that surrounding uh, those money troubles just left an indelible impression, uh, a mark on me <laughs> that I haven't been able to shake until this point. Uh, and so, yeah, that's really what caused me to want to be frugal, to want to save. I didn't want money to be. An issue that I had to, uh, that caused arguments between my spouse and I, uh, mm-hmm. or that, you know, made me uh, stay up at night and where I couldn't sleep because I was worried about my next paycheck and living paycheck to paycheck mm-hmm. or, you know, living beyond my means. And so essentially it was, yeah, grow, growing up and, and seeing that and seeing, you know, what uh, not having a healthy relationship to money and not budgeting and planning and thinking through your spending uh, seeing what that can actually do to a relationship and so that was kind of always Mm -hmm. my goal is was to avoid that and um fortunately up until this point i've been able to avoid most of those pitfalls because i learned really young you know some people learn through their own mistakes a lot of debt racking that up in college school loans or credit card debt Mm -hmm. you know just after they graduate i um don't know if it's more fortunate or less fortunate, but I learned from, you know, the mistakes of, of my parents growing up.
4: Yeah. And that, and sometimes it can go either way. Like you could watch what your parents do, and despite the negative consequences that you see, you, people continue to to follow in their family's footsteps, or they choose differently. So, yeah, it's, I mean, that's that's amazing that you saw that, and then you were able to take the good lesson out of it, <laughs> like the Bernstein Bears. <laughs> Have you ever yes. read those books? Like
3: oh, most definitely, not,
4: not to do. <laughs>
2: like, sometimes <laughs> that works. Sometimes, like teaching it that way works, but I. I have no clue. I read all the Berenstein Bears books, but I don't remember any of the lessons I learned from them. So I'm glad <laughs> that you took something away, Jill. <laughs>
4: <laughs> I just remember it was always like the what not to do. That's how they approach the lesson. <laughs> That's, <laughs>
2: That's yeah. seems Positive. Um, yeah. Joel, were so the mistakes that your parents made were they like big mistakes or were they just like little ones that like de- like developed over time that like led to this bankruptcy?
3: So it was definitely a little bit of both. There was, you know, the purchase of a new car that they couldn't afford. And I still remember it essentially waiting for the car to be repossessed. And so we knew that it was coming and we just didn't know when. And as a kid, that's like, is it going to be there in the morning? Is it not? I don't know. So that was definitely scary. But it was also a lot of just kind of a shopping habit as well. Um, And I think my parents were in some ways, they you know, we didn't really go out to eat. Like they knew, okay, well, we can't do that. Uh, but then it was a lot of other little things. Uh, and so it, it it was kind of both. It was my dad telling me uh, a few years back, like when he first uh, when he got his first real middle management job, you know someone won, there was a round of layoffs, and you know he got laid off. and so that uh, obviously that was really, really tough. Um, and that is you know ultimately kind of what led to. Uh, a lot of the financial issues, and so I, I think they probably could have been prevented with better planning and um, and and spending smarter uh, but you know sometimes the, sometimes those things happen too, and they 're not always your fault i mean my dad 's an incredibly hard worker and incredibly good at what he does, and so sometimes those things just happen you have rotten luck but uh, if you if frugality is kind of the center of how you live your life. You can often weather those storms, you know, no matter how difficult they are.
4: Yeah, I think uh, spending outside of one's means, taking out, using a credit card almost as you know, for loans, that was a big pitfall of like our parent, our parents' generation. Um, and I think that it has led to this like debt aversion now in our generation, but it is, it's pretty common to see. I mean, bankruptcy, that, that is pretty extreme and it sounds like it has left an indelible impression on you, but, um, yeah, kind of what you're describing seems to be a lot of how people would describe, you know, those in their fifties and sixties and kind of how that generation approached finances.
2: Yeah. I know for me, I've, similarly like my mom was foreclosed on last year and i just like watched her for 10 years like she didn't tell me that she was in trouble or that she wasn't making her mortgage payments mm-hmm. and then like last year it all like came to a peak when she was you know told me 2 months before she was like had to be out of her house and then i had to help with the yard sale and i had to sell the appliances out of my childhood home and so, like, I think the impact that our parents make on us financially, like, it has led a lot of millennials to be interested in, in saving and frugality. And it's so it's not everybody, but I think it's a wider um, number than, I think, we take it for granted how many of us there are.
3: Yeah, and I think it goes to show, too, that uh, money is such a hard topic to talk about, even with the people that you're closest mm-hmm. to, you know, and it's, there's so much shame involved so much of the time. Um, and it's, it's so sad. I, I want to see, uh, us be able to talk about you know, the things that are the most important with the ones that we love with people that are close to mm-hmm. us with friends and with family and for it not to be uh, a badge of shame, but like, Hey, I, mm-hmm. I need help. And for people not to, um, To judge, but to you know offer, and that's that's kind of what Matt and I want to do in the podcast. That's what I care about is for people to maybe see things a little differently, maybe understand a concept that they didn't know well before, but be able to change something and take control of their own life. Because ultimately, uh, that's that's what's important is knowing that you do have a a, a huge measure of control. You don't have ultimate control, right? But you have a huge measure of control over what your finances look like and uh, I think a lot of people don't feel like that. They feel like, you know, life kind of hits them in the face and Mm -hmm. they just kind of have to keep moving, keep shaking, try, you know, try to make something happen. But, but ultimately, you know, if you sit down and think about it and work things out, you have a large measure of control and you can start to take steps, you know, over months and years that ultimately create a certain amount of, you know, financial stability and then hopefully financial independence in your life. That's Mm -hmm. that you can do that. It's, Mm -hmm. it's hard. (laughs) It's, it's not easy but but you can do that as as you both know it, it, that difference between you know getting foreclosed on uh, or uh, or or filing for bankruptcy and becoming financially stable you know that there's some decisions in there that you have a lot of control over and um and so yeah i want to encourage people that really take that control you know learn from people like frugal friends and uh, and listen to um you know, listen to these topics and know that you have this measure uh, of control that you can take and make a difference in your own life.
4: Yeah. And I think it's a good message, Joel, that I even heard on your podcast. I listened to the one where you guys both have your wives on, which is awesome, by the way. But you're talking about, Talking about finances and and just kind of tearing down the stigma that exists around talking about finances and I, I understand some people are not okay with sharing how much they make and that 's fine, but there is such this taboo around um, you know, how, how one spends their money, how one saves, what, what people are doing with their finances. And yet it's leading to these, I mean, we see it in our parents generation where it is very hush hush, but also there's all these other things that, that are happening that like nobody's knowing about, you know, parents are going into foreclosure and you don't know about it until it's happening. (laughs) Um So, I think that that message, too, is very important, and I think something to continue to talk about and and to break down those stigmas that yes, this is how we get better at this, this is how we learn, this is how we grow as a community is to be able to talk to one another about these things, um, and I think your wife had even shared that, yeah, like you'll you learn about cooking and and what what to do with different recipes, and all kinds of things can be learned when you open yourself up to that kind of community so I think it's a, it's a great plug there.
2: (laughs) Yeah. It's, and it's, it's important to like have these conversations with like, not just your spouse, but like, and not just your friends, but like with also your parents for sure, because Mm -hmm. like it's definitely getting more important. Like the older we get to, to open these conversations with your parents, like not fully knowing their finances, but at least knowing like where they're going because like for some of us like i'm an only child and like i don't have any siblings to rely on if my mom needs financial support like so it's i mean it's just good for your own personal financial planning to know where your parents are financially too mm, that's a good point jen
3: yeah i agree i mean i think it's you know those are tough conversations to have and and you always have to approach conversations like that with the people you love the most with a, a measure of humility and providing them dignity in the conversation yeah. and just being really careful with how you approach it because you know even all these years later and doing what I do and having been in the space the money and media space that I've been in for you know more than a decade those are still hard conversations to have uh, yeah. you, you don't become an expert and especially at dealing with uh, those topics with the people that you love and so yeah, I think it is important to continue to try to broach mm-hmm. those topics, but just man, remember to you know, approach it because yeah. in in a way that's loving and caring, because those are the people that, you know often that you love and care for the most. So mm-hmm. uh, you don't want to ostracize somebody that you love o- over talking about money.
4: Sure how did and this isn't in our outline so if you're not prepared to answer that this that's fine but have you talked with your parents about this and how open are you with them being able to talk about that life experience on your own podcast on this podcast how does that go for you
3: yeah that's a good question um we we have we talk about money some here and there and more than anything what they're getting really close to you know retirement age, and we talk about less less like nuts and bolts how much money do you have saved for retirement, but like hey where where are you at? How much longer do you want to work, and do you have a plan for getting there? Um, and so yeah, we're open about those things, but uh, I think it it takes kind of me continually slowly. Uh, asking questions here and there, so as not to overwhelm them with this dinner table conversation that lasts two hours, because I just mm-hmm. don't think they're up for that. Um, yeah, yeah. Always, so it's it's a lot of little questions here and there, really. Yeah,
4: I always think it's an interesting thing because while it's your parents' story, it's also your story, and yet, you know, parents might feel different ways about then their children going out and talking about that story because it's then revealing their. Their story I'm saying story a lot <laughs> that's an interesting thing to navigate when you know there's this there's this thing that's very taboo, and you know you 've got one generation who's learned from it and wants to talk about it, and another one who might still be like
2: oh, i don't know this, yeah. is,
4: this is difficult. this is a, a, one of our lowest lows in our lives
2: yeah, and i don't know if this happens for you, Joel, but like my mom wants to listen to me less because of my, like my place in the like financial media she just like does not want to hear anything financial from me <laughs> hmm.
3: and so, i can understand yeah. that, and that i wouldn't make a lot of the uh the the things that we've done in the past that weren't great they do create a lot of shame and in yeah. our our I don't know, there's a lot of shame in our society in general, and we shame yeah. each other, we shame people. And so, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, anything that we can do as people that, as friends, as children, you know, as spouses, mm-hmm. to kind of remove the shame from that, and uh, it, it is so helpful, uh, and helps mm-hmm. kind of open up those paths of discussion that are going to be hard no matter what. Uh, mm-hmm. But you have to be able to remove the shame and, mm-hmm. and, and let people know that yeah, I love you no matter what. Um, but but this is something that as people that love each other, and this is an important topic, like I want us to be able to talk about it and it's going to take years in some cases Mm -hmm. to really make it it, get any meaningful ground, like to get anywhere with them. Um, And then there's some people too, you just have to realize some people don't want to hear it and it's going to take, it's going to take a lot of time or it's maybe it's never going to happen and you have to be willing to, you know, not push the issue too because you love somebody. So, it, those, yeah, those are. That's. I'm definitely yeah. not an expert. I'm not a relationship expert. I'm not uh, an expert when it comes to uh, how to open up these conversations. But I mean, I know that uh, in in my experience, it's taken time and little bits here and there, and mm. intentionality and care. So
4: yeah, good word. I appreciate
2: that. Yeah, that's great. Awesome. And so I know that
4: it's
3: got deep.
2: I know, right? Uh, You didn't know we we could go this deep in the Frugal Friends
5: podcast. (laughs) Sometimes we have good word on here. Uh, AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic. oracle.com slash strategic.
1: Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed, straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a beginner man. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details.
2: So now you're this like frugal master. You've worked for Clark Howard um, for over a decade. For those, of, for those listeners who are not familiar with Clark Howard, he's basically... He's the person I go to for all my deals. Like when I want to find a deal, I go to Clark Howard. He has podcasts, radio show. Um, he's everywhere. He's like the money-saving like king. Um, and so you've been a producer for him for a long time. So, like, what are some of the best like money saving deal seeking skills you've acquired in your tenure there?
3: Oh, that's a good question. You know, he is He is the master of like all these small things that nobody else knows. That you can turn to him for with a question about, you know, I'm a first time home buyer. Where do I go to find programs that incentivize me to buy a home? They're down payment assistance, whatever. And he knows. I mean, he is just he, he is the master, and it's because he spends so much time reading. The dude reads. You know four to six hours a day newspapers, all sorts of publications uh pointy headed stuff and he he is just so well read and so knowledgeable uh it's incredibly impressive and so I'll say working for him has been amazing for a lot of reasons you know I've been working uh with Clark for almost twelve years now, and it's because first off who he is, the man that he is. Uh, is incredibly impressive he is so giving so generous he gives of what he has and gives incredibly generously to nonprofits where we live to nonprofits around the country uh, to his staff he is so generous with the people that he that he works with and so that is man, it challenges me to be more generous and then on top of that, I will say you know growing up the way I grew up I was um, super frugal when I started working for Clark I was very frugal uh, to the point of Cheap and not generous, and so working with him has taught me to uh, the positives about money as opposed to just like hoarding it all as much as I could and trying, you know, to live as cheaply as possible. He's he's really helped me, I think, to you know invest wisely, save for the future, make intelligent moves with my money, and ultimately I became a real estate investor because of working for Clark and talking to him and seeing you know the benefits it, that uh, that that had for me. And man, that's been such a great move. And I owe so much of you know what I know and um, and what I've learned and and uh, and who I am to to working with Clark for this long. It's been great. Hmm. That's,
1: that's
4: so that's so cool because I feel like often in this world of personal finance and being financially independent, you hear the goals are to manage your schedule how you want, spend more time with family, grow the savings. And all those things are good, but you don't often hear about the possibility of being generous then with your money. And Mm -hmm. I think that that is a great thing that you have just highlighted and that it sounds like Clark Howard has his sights on as well in that, yes, this financial independence can lead to then helping and giving to others as well. And that can be a goal in this whole world too.
2: Yeah. That's one of our reasons that we like started this podcast is to like highlight the other things you could do if you are frugal. And like one of those things is definitely like being more generous to the people around you.
3: Completely. That's actually uh, the most recent podcast episode that Matt and I recorded, which will be out Mm -hmm. really soon. And probably by the time you post this, it'll be out. Um, Mm -hmm. I think there's a couple reasons for generosity there that are really important. I think giving away what you have is so good. It helps you, uh, you can help people around you that are in need. Right. And there are a lot of people that haven't had the same, uh, starting point that you, that you are at. Right. And, and they're out there. I was really fortunate. I had great parents that taught me a lot of important things. And so, I want to be generous with what I have because there are other people that didn't have the same. And I think on top of that too, there's something that's so helpful for you as an individual to be generous with your money. It helps you to view money more correctly. There's, mm-hmm. um, I think sometimes in the you know financial independence movement, it's, and I got to save every penny. I got to because mm-hmm. I got this goal that in 11 years and three months, I need to be retired to <laughs> 42 and a half. And uh-huh. if I'm not there, then I didn't win. And um, I think that's just kind of a sad way to look at life too. And it creates a certain amount of balance and a certain amount of detachment from your money. That money isn't all there is. And I think it's really easy, especially as people that talk in this space um, and think about it often to become really attached to it and yeah. to think that it's going to solve your problems. And that if you you know hit this number on a spreadsheet, then that makes you the kind of person you want to be. And I think generosity helps you to remember, you know, the ultimate goal in life <laughs> and to have a balanced life, to care for others, mm-hmm. but to be a thriving member in your local community. And uh, so I think, yeah, generosity is huge. It's you know, learning how to be generous, uh, you know, over the past years has taught me a lot about kind of my heart and how it gets mm-hmm. way too attached too easily to, you know, what the number that's in my savings account any given day.
2: Mm. Yeah, and even for people getting out of debt that have like a goal, and they're just so focused on like meeting that short term goal. Like when we were getting out of debt, we still made it a point to give every month, and those were some of the most like joyous times. Like we were able to give to like five hundred dollars to our friend who was going on a mission trip, and like made her cry, and it was such like a heartwarming moment, and. It like didn't push us back at all from like our debt free date. It it was so small in the scheme of things, but it's a moment that I'll never forget. And like that's what's most important. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's it's definitely uh, something that I love about like spending less in other places so you can spend more in the places that like really matter.
4: Yeah, yeah, that's great. Totally. So, Joel, for our listeners who may have a rental or income property, what are some common places people throw away money and what could they be doing to maybe be more frugal while also not being cheap?
3: Yeah, I think uh, one thing is assuming that you need a management company to run your rental homes. And so I think it's really important for me, it's been really important to have rental homes that are really close to where I live. Uh, and I think it's uh, it's easy to decide, uh, I'm going to hire a, uh, you know, an agency to help me manage this, this home. Um, but if it's close by to where you live, that's something that's easily doable. And for me personally, I go over and I mow the lawn at my rental house. And it does a couple things. It saves me you know, 50 bucks every time having, someone, yeah. having to have someone come over and mow the lawn. And then on top of that, it puts me over there at the rental. Hey, what's mm-hmm. going on? What does it look like? Is it in good condition? And uh, it also, the, the third thing, I bought a house recently in September, my third rental property from an investor. And he was charging an incredibly uh, low rent for the neighborhood for that house. Um, and so I got a great deal on it because he didn't think it was worth as much as it was. But I was able to you know, pretty quickly raise the rents, improve the home. And I think if you have a management company that is, is managing that property for you, sometimes you know, you're a couple hands lengths away, And you're not thinking about maximizing the potential of that rental property. Uh, Mm -hmm. And on top of that, you're paying fees to somebody for doing something that you could fairly easily do yourself.
2: Mm. That's good to know. Because a lot of people, I know, get stuck with rental properties if they buy and then they have to move. They become like reluctant landlords. Um, And then... So it's just like good to have that information in the back of your like Rolodex if you ever need... That information. I don't know why I said Rolodex um, <laughs> <laughs>
3: because I don't well, know. We
2: all have them, We're right? All, I don't know where uh, else. Yes, that. Where else would you keep information?
3: <laughs> Do people on... still have Rolodexes? Is, is a question.
2: Clearly, I have one. <laughs> sure.
3: <laughs> well, I think you know you are in a different situation as a reluctant landlord who has, especially if you've moved to another state or something like that. You know, I purposely keep mine close to me in a small geographic area so that I can drive over quickly. You know, I like to watch youtube videos to figure out how i can fix something cheaply at least give it a shot myself before you know calling a professional and paying a lot of money but if you are a reluctant landlord in another state and that rental property has essentially been forced on you because you're underwater or something like that you know i think you are in a little bit of a different position and you if you're not close by you might want to consider and you might want to consider having a you know rental aid uh, management company uh Essentially, manage the house for you because uh, they will have contacts for local plumbers and uh, handymen that can fix things at your house. And you might not. It, you know, it, it might help if you have you know a relative that's willing to look after the house or willing or knows um, you know contractors in the area. But if you don't have somebody like that and you got to get out and you have to keep it as a rental, I mean, you kind of have to do what you have to do. I just don't think it's ideal. I think ideally it is nice to self-manage to avoid those fees and to uh, take some ownership in that rental property because it's not as hard as you think it is. Um, Mm -hmm. There's definitely time involved. I think the term passive income is a little misleading for people that are interested in investing in real estate. It is not this pure passive income where you don't have to do anything. Um, But it is incredibly worthwhile, I think, in the long haul. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's been great for our family. It's been really really meaningful to do it it's been good work it's been fun too i've enjoyed it even though it's not always fun every day right
4: i think that's a great point too to think about the secondary benefits of doing your own property management in in that like you said you're there so you're able to see are there is there anything else that's going to need to be fixed like how are the tenants doing um you know you might jump into conversation with tenants that you weren't anticipating that could give you information that is helpful or whatever i think that that is worth considering and placing some value on in doing your own property management
3: yeah most definitely yeah you learn a lot by being there more often and you keep an eye i mean a home is a huge investment keep an eye on it you know if you're checking your 401k balance every 6 months you know, if you have an investment property, you're going to want to make sure you're checking in on that even more often because there's a lot of things that can go wrong with it. And uh, there's just a lot of things that you'll want to, you know, you'll want to know what's going on at the neighbor's property, uh, what's going on in the neighborhood, what do things look like, and what are the trends when it comes to rent prices. And, and so, all those things, you, you're a little more knowledgeable if you're over there at least once a month and, and you're just involved in the state of the property.
2: Cool. All right. Um, so as fascinating as real estate is, I know that you also love finding deals on mid-century furniture. Um, can you please show me your ways? Because I love mid-century furniture Mm -hmm. and it is so friggin' expensive and I can never get what I want. And I want to know your secrets.
3: Oh man. Uh, so First off, Craigslist is an amazing place, and you need to search like a hundred different terms <laughs> in order oh, to find. Yes. Uh, you know, you have to know pe- people that uh, made it. You also have to search for things that don't involve anything to do with mid century because there are a lot of people that don't know what they have, so they're not even going to write mid century. Um, so you just kind of have to search for terms like vintage. Um, there's a billion different terms you can look at, and I could. Put you in touch with my friend Josh, who runs a mid-century Ooh. flipping business in Florida. Not that you would buy from him because he's very expensive, <laughs> but he often tells me these stories of finding amazing deals—something for $150 that he can sell for $4,000 uh, on his mid-century at his mid-century business. So, oh
2: my gosh, it,
4: wow.
3: it's amazing the kind of deals that you can find out there on some crazy, cool vintage items. Um, but they're hard to come by, like we have an amazing couch set that man the lady took just terrible pictures, and so no one wanted to go look at these couches because the pictures were terrible, and we got there, and I could tell it was just awful lighting, terrible angles but uh but the couches in person, and I didn't know if they would if they'd be great or not, but I decided to go take a look, man, they're perfect, we absolutely love our couches, and so yeah, you got to look for things like that too um. Like I found a chair that I absolutely love and a guy just didn't know what he had. Um, And it had some rips and scuffs and needed to be refinished. So you got to be willing and able to... condition. As you know, you're going to pay for that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And so the bad pictures thing, we used that tip when we bought our RV that we're like flipping. And it it got us such a great deal. Yeah, the bad pictures... They misspelled like a really key word, and so we were able to get this really low price on it. Um, but I didn't think about it for furniture. That's such a good tip. And I know Jill, you refinish furniture, and your pieces are beautiful. And I like always wonder how you get those deals too. But you have an you also have an eye for it. Yeah,
4: I love it. It's one of my my things as well. I I stop at thrift stores a lot. And so part of it is just right place, right time and being able to envision something outside of the fluorescent lighting next to something else that's really crappy. <laughs> yeah, you do like to some degree you do have to have like an eye and a vision for something and not waste money just because you think that you have an eye for something. <laughs> Take oh, a friend yeah. along if you tend to tend to make bad decisions at thrift stores. I feel like you're talking about Travis. Are you talking about him? No, no, I'm not. I just, uh-huh. There's plenty of people. Uh-huh. <laughs> don't worry. Well,
3: it's, it's it's a similar thing when you're house hunting, right? There's mm-hmm. oh, I don't like the paint color, or I can't believe yeah. they have wallpaper or, or something like that. And those are the easiest possible things to change yeah. in a home. And so you have to be willing to look past those things. And Jen, you're in Florida. Holy crap! That's like mid-century heaven. So uh, don't
2: I know it? But everybody else knows it too, Joel. And so that's why everything is like already like bought and flipped, and it's like four thousand dollars. We did get this really cute dresser that I'm actually looking at right now in my office. It's for the RV, um, but yeah, Travis is really good at finding stuff like that. But he just does not have the eye um, like you do, Jill.
4: I'll just fly down there again. Oh, please do. <laughs> you don't have to twist my arm to get to Florida. Thank
2: you. Yeah.
4: Last nice. question. Let's do yeah. it, Joel. So, Joel, I heard that you bike to work, and that's like one of your frugal things, plus I'm sure other benefits. Can you talk about what that's like?
2: Because we, oh, like, we already preached like the gospel of it in our housing episode, <laughs> It's like how the commute is like not as good as people think
3: yes no I am a huge fan of one living close to where you work <laughs> I think yeah. that's that's incredibly huge and I'm willing to pay more for housing to live close to where I work I think that lifestyle of commuting is terrible for your body terrible for your mind um, man I can't commute more than 30 minutes or like my head starts to spin oh, God, around and no. like almost pops off it's the worst thing ever and so yeah i started biking to work about a year ago and i started on an electric bike and i think for a lot of people that is probably the easiest way to get started because you are getting some exercise and it, but it's a lot of fun too it's it kind of brings you back to your uh, childhood days of like just remembering being on your bike as a kid flying through the neighborhood and so yeah an electric bike's great Mine is an electric cargo bike. And so I can put both of my daughters on the back as well. Oh so my we gosh.
2: That's
0: adorable. So many
3: fun memories. <laughs> we have the best memories. And the girls just want to get on the bike and go different places. And so, um, yeah, we, we're making a lot of memories on that bike. And it's kind of this great commute vehicle. The other great thing about uh, considering an electric bike uh, is that you'll be less sweaty when you get to work. And I know that's yeah. one reason that a lot of people say, you know what, I'm not going to try it. I'm not willing to try yeah. commuting
2: raising my hand because, right now.
3: Yeah. Because I
2: tried it once and I was nasty and sweaty when I got to work and it was like... <laughs> I just so, watched that episode
4: of The Office today where Jim tries biking to work because <laughs> his boss was doing it and he shows up in his suit just like super <laughs> drenched in sweat and his, his boss is wearing like all the correct, you know, biking gear and then changes when he gets there.
3: <laughs>
4: it's funny that we're talking to you yeah. who bikes to work. How do you deal with that that sweat factor.
3: Yeah. So uh usually typically I'll ride the e-bike in on days where I have things or I need to be in front of people and look decent. Uh but you know, I work in radio. So you can pretty much wear <laughs> jeans and yeah. a t shirt and some sneakers most days, which is pretty nice. Love that. um but then I, you know I'm not terribly sweaty and I just kind of wipe my face down in the bathroom and then head on into work and it's not too bad. Uh, yeah. some days Ending just at my desk, you know, or uh, you know, doing research for the show. I I ride my road bike in, and I'm a little sweatier but I try to wear like shorts on that day. And but I, I never yeah. shower when I get to work, much to the chagrin of my coworkers. <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> but
3: but yeah, so it's not okay. it's not as bad as you think it is. Uh, but Let's if you have to wear a suit and a tie, yeah, <laughs> it doesn't work for everyone. But I think one crucial thing. Like I mentioned, is to live close to where you work, and I know um, you know a lot of people move to where there's cheap housing and then suffer a lot of lifestyle and health consequences because mm-hmm. of that long commute, and it's not worth it.
4: Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a good
3: yes. point. Well, you can even oftentimes, you know, become a one-car family or figure out a way to live life a little differently uh, by living closer to where you work. And so, let's say you live within five miles, and you know mm-hmm. what, maybe you don't need a car. Maybe you can take Lifts or carpool or uh, bike sometimes, and, and then take a Uber or something like that when uh, you know when it's terrible weather outside. But yeah. just think outside the box and uh, just don't waste an hour each way or an hour and a half each way commuting every day. Man, you're taking away so much uh, time with your kids, mental stress by being in traffic. You know there are all these things, man. I think commutes are just one of the worst things out there.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. Traffic. We all agree here. Woof.
4: Although, it is the commute that most people are listening to podcasts on.
2: So. so, if you're listening to a podcast, then maybe. Maybe it's okay, but like our podcast is an hour, so you don't need more than a 30-minute commute. And
4: <laughs> they
3: do make the commute more bearable a podcast, a good podcast, yes, that's for sure.
2: They do. Yes. All right. Well, it is our favorite time of the show,
3: Joel. Oh, yeah.
2: It is. This is it. It's time for... The The Bill Bill of the Week!
0: That's right! It's time for the best minute of your entire week! Maybe a baby was born and his name is William. Maybe you paid off your mortgage. Maybe your car died and you're happy to not have to pay that bill anymore. Duck Bill's! Upflow Bills, Bill Clinton, this is the Bill of the Week. Joel,
2: we would like to invite you to tell us your favorite bill and why it's your favorite bill.
3: Okay. My favorite bill is any paper bill or email bill that I get because it reminds me of what I'm paying for things. And I hate to be in the dark about what I'm paying every month. I do not set everything up for automatic bill pay like most millennials. I like to look that bill dead in the face and then decide whether or not it's (laughs) worth it to me every month. So when I'm paying for internet, I recently decided I was paying way too much. I didn't like it anymore. But I realized that because I looked the bill in the face every month. Uh, And so then I contacted my internet company through Twitter. And I was like, listen, we're gonna have to do something about this. (laughs) <laughs> and I negotiated a rate that was much lower and locked it in for 12 months. So I think seeing that bill face-to-face, uh, those are the best kind of bills. I love them because they help me save money.
2: Did you Look, negotiate over Twitter?
3: Yes. Oh my gosh. What? That's one of the best tips. Uh, yet you have to use Twitter. Sometimes the best customer service alleys for you know, major internet and phone companies and big, wow. and big companies wow. is Twitter, man. Yeah, it's they for some reason they have like the most responsive customer service. So don't call the one eight hundred number, maybe the chat on the website, but sometimes it seems like for for all the experiences I've had, Twitter customer service rules and you get things fixed way wow. quicker, much easier.
4: Wow. That's amazing. That's a great tip. That yeah. is worth our whole episode. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Done. Twitter. All right. I like it, though. Staring
2: it straight in the face. Staring Bill straight in the face. I do like to see them so I can either feel real good about myself or real guilty. Um, but I still have them on auto pay because I can't be trusted. <laughs>
3: no, my, my co-host Matt does too. And we disagree on that. But for me, <laughs> there's something about having to physically pay it. You know, even if, if it's not writing a check because I don't think people do that anymore. But going to the website... And inputting it, it, it remind like just today, literally, I got my cell phone bill in, and it went up forty dollars. It's been the same for the last like eighteen months or something like that, and I don't know why oh, it wow. went up. But you best believe I barked up that Twitter tree, and I'm working on it right now. So I'm going <laughs> to get it back to what it was.
2: <laughs> the Twitter tree. Wow. Yes. I got to get a Twitter account. I know. No, I have to. I should use my Twitter account for more like complaints. <laughs> <laughs> play yeah. on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> i didn't know you could use it for that yeah a yeah. new, new use sweet That's well new thing.
1: today i'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids how about instead of timeouts time ins? time for you to start paying some bills i'm jb smooth and that was a full episode of my new podcast straightforward Inspired by guaranteed, straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at hypergig for details.
0: Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S., Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash iHeart. That's lifelock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Joel,
2: thanks for being on the podcast. Uh, What's coming up on the Poor Not Poor podcast for you guys?
3: Yeah, so yeah, Matt and I release an episode every Wednesday. We've got an episode coming up on generosity. We're going to kind of explain our philosophy a little more specifically about uh, investment properties coming up on an episode soon as well. Um, so yeah, we have just a lot of fun things in the store. And if you like craft beer, you're probably going to like the podcast even more. But you don't have to like beer to, uh, to like the show. We yeah. just... Because we're buddies and we like beer, we crack one and uh, tell you what we're drinking every episode as well. Then we try to dive into something specific and helpful oh another episode coming up how to should you save for your kids college that's a question that so many people have and matt and i kind of go through all these different reasons of why you should consider it then maybe why you shouldn't consider it as a high priority in your life
2: Mm. jill and i are not saving for our children's college (laughs) we already have that one figured
3: out (laughs) and it doesn't mean that you don't love them you know
4: (laughs) yeah well Uh, first of all i don't have kids so nor do i that makes that
3: easy. So, I yeah. can totally ship you some if you want. Oh,
2: it's, it's fine it's cool cool alright well uh, thanks again Joel for being on the podcast we love talking to you and uh, yeah we'll uh, hear more from you on the Poor Not Poor podcast we'll see you later
3: alright thanks Jen thanks Jill thanks for having me
2: yeah thanks so much All right, y'all. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. If you like the message that we're spreading, you can support us by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts and hitting the subscribe button to get new episodes every Frugal Friends Friday. And join our Facebook group at frugalfriendspodcast.com slash group for more discussion on today's episodes and tips from the community. We are always chatting. There are a lot of gifs or gifs, however you like to pronounce it. Uh, and definitely check out our show notes for links um, to everything, including uh, Joel's podcast, Poor Not Poor, and uh, just some funny anecdotes that we sometimes let into there. It's always good. You always want to check it out. You always want to be there.
4: <laughs>
2: cool, cool. See
4: you next week. Bye.
2: Frugal Friends is produced, edited, and mixed by Eric Siriani.
5: Right Rug Flooring.